All right, welcome back to Soccer Matters on ESPN 97.5. And as promised, uh, we promoted this throughout the day. The Houston Dynamo general manager, Pat Onstad, joining us courtesy of John Daspit and the Daspit Law Firm, daspitlaw.com, 713-CALL-NOW, 713-CALL-NOW. John, getting soccer talk on the airwaves. We always have great uh, interviews with Pat Onstad. He joins us now. Pat, thank you, as always, for coming on. Oh, thanks for having me again. Well, Pat, let's, uh, we got a lot to go over here. We want to condense this because we know your time uh, is valuable. Let's let's start off with a couple of things non-related to a very, very big penalty kick win last night over Pachuca to advance you in the League's Cup. Let's start with the Sebas Ferreira loan to Vasco da Gama in Brazil. Kind of take us into some things that maybe we don't know in the public. Yeah, um, you know, it was he's a good player, first and foremost. I think, we, you know, we believe in him. He scored... You know, last year scored 13 goals from us, 11 from the run of play. Um, he had a pretty good start. Uh, beginning of the year, we had him penciled in as our starting forward. Uh, we started him at the beginning of the season, uh, but he never really quite got up to the level I think we were hoping for. Um, and then the team, you know, after the first couple of games, turned the corner and, and started started winning games and playing well. And, you know, with Corey Barrett up front, who wasn't necessarily scoring, but at the same token was stretching the defense and and helping us in different ways. And I think uh, from that, you know, the reaction you hope from a player is that he digs in and try to fight for a spot. And I don't know if we got the per great reaction out of it by Sebastian. But, um, you know, what I would say is it was tough for him to fight back on the field against a, a team that really has been in the playoffs since, you know, early April. So um, from that standpoint, it's been a difficult season for him. Uh, obviously, we've expected more, but at the same token, I don't want to put this on Sebastian. He's expected more, too. And have we supported him? In the right way, I think that's up for debate. Whenever these things happen, it's there's just two sides to the story. This is not, you know, the play. This is the player's fault, or this is the coach's fault, or the team's fault. It's there's always some kind of in between. It's, it's probably everybody contributes to it. But what we felt like in talking to Sebastian is the most important thing is that he gets back playing and scoring goals. Uh, and uh, as luck kind of had it, really, is, is Vasco hired an ex-coach of his from from uh, Paraguay and and he's he's was pumped about the opportunity they need a striker uh he went down there and 48 hours later he played 90 minutes uh against Corinthians a pretty tough game to start with in Sao Paulo but uh really good opportunity for him to play and get games he's only there for six months uh we're looking forward to him coming back in January and uh, we're hoping he'll have his form at that point this is a guy that you brought here. This is a guy that you, yep. you you certainly respect a lot. And he did have an outstanding season last year. And I think it's fair to say he didn't have the most of support. He found ways to score goals for you. Exactly. It, it, it is confusing to fans. How much of this is simply about a tactical fit? Uh, some, some of it is tactical fit. I, I think, um, you know, some of I, – I listen, one thing I'd say about Sebastian, while he's not playing um, – I'd say even over the last two months, he's probably been one of the harder workers in our group on training, and he's actually looked fairly sharp in training. Maybe not to the point where you thought, okay, we'll make a change, but um, he certainly hasn't He hasn't been a lot of players when this happens. They just turn the corner and go to a dark place, um, You know, whether it's culturally in terms of in the locker room and with, with the, their teammates or you know, effort-wise, uh, and Sebastian didn't do that. Um, that that's not – that's not the way he he acted and not the way he performed on the field. So you have to give him credit for that because it's difficult. You know, he came here to play. He's a designated player. You know, I put my reputation on the line for him too. Uh, you know, I stuck my neck out 
uh, went to ownership and asked for some money to to make sure we could buy him. I still think he's a, a very good striker. To your point, I think last year he scored 13 goals on a team that didn't give him a ton of service. Um, and that's something we're, you know, we're seeing certainly from our, you know, analytics department is telling us we are getting more service and uh, been nice to have seen him when he does get his opportunities to bang a few in. The fact that the team is is even more heavily inverted, does that hurt a player like him, you think? Yeah, possibly. I mean, at times, um, I think, you know, Sebastian likes to drop into midfield and plays uh, almost like support the midfield, but we're playing with a essentially a box midfield. So we already have enough central midfielders. Um, so that's one aspect of his game that, you know, he's going to have to change if he's going to play under, you know, Ben Olsen's system is he's going to have to stay higher and occupy the two center backs and look to stretch the back line a little bit more than he's used to. Um, but I don't think this is anything that a striker hasn't done before in, in the world of football to, to adapt their game a little bit. We're not talking about uh, adapting his game to a drastic standard. And if anything, if I'm a forward, I'm, you tell me to stay up and just occupy the two center backs to get in the box. I'm actually going to smile on my face. I don't have to do the dirty work. So I, I, I think the big one for us uh, was to make sure that he doesn't just lose a year and sit on the bench. Um, you know, we recoup some money, a significant amount of money, to be fair, with the, with the loan. So that helps. That certainly helps with ownership when they're saying, why are you have a DP on the on the bench? Um, you know, and it's not a great situation for anybody. But uh, hopefully for him, it's an opportunity to show that he can go score goals and he can still do that. Um, it's a good league. Brazil, Brazil, Syria is a very good league. He's not, not on a very good team and one of the worst team in the league right now, the bottom of the table, and they'll be fighting for relegation. So the hope is that he could score goals there, but it's going to be difficult for him there too. You know, that's a team that doesn't get a ton of service in the box. So we'll see how that plays out. Dynamo general manager, Pat Onstad joining us here. Um, you know, you mentioned Ben's system. Is a return possible or do you think? This- yeah. I mean, right now he's, you know, like I said, he's, is the loan's till December 31st. Uh, we'll see how it plays out. Uh, the plan is that he come back, you know, Ben and him had a good relationship. I mean, they were, Funny things you'd see on the field after they were, they're both kind of jokesters at times and they're out sitting there, you know, taking, doing shooting practice together and, and Ben's jumping in at the end and they have a good relationship. So there's no personal animosity. I think, like you said before, it's a, you know, the tactical fit was more the most important piece. Um, but we'll see, you know, we'll see. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens in the next six months. I mean, it's a great opportunity for him. Uh, and we're obviously putting our eggs in, in a different basket, and we'll see how it goes. He's Dynamo General Manager Pat Onstad, another one that Dynamo fans are on top of, Coco Karaskia. Maybe give us an update on him. Yeah, Coco, um, you know, we've been pretty transparent, I think, even on this show, and and, and is the agent and Coco, they both want to try to get to a top-five league in, in Europe, and they want to try to push uh, his career as far as it can possibly go. Uh, we're open to that. We've we've talked. We have a very good relationship with the agent as well. Um, we understand he understands the price that we're looking for, uh, the valuation we have, which he believes is fair. Um, and at this stage, we don't have any offers on the table. I've spoken to a few clubs um, about him, and we'll see where that goes. And that kind of leads into you know why would you bring in a Sebastian Kowalczyk at this stage? Um, and part of that is he's a very good player. We looked at him in January. We're close to signing him in January. Uh, he's a bit of a profile like a, a bossy, but with the box midfield, we kind of we can use two of those type of players, if, so they could both be on the field at the same time. Um, but he's also an opportunity if if uh, Coco went now, where our window is closed, we felt like we needed an opportunity to bring someone in with quality uh, that that could help us uh, down the stretch. 
Pat, most of your width in recent games, believe it or not, I, I think he's been exceptional for you, is Griffin Dorsey in the League's Cup. He's probably had his three best games for us this year. Uh, this year, um, And it's funny because you have these tournaments. You were, we were talking about this earlier about the tournament. And one one aspect of these these sort of tournaments, whether it's Super League way back in the day or, you know, League's Cup, is that you have an opportunity to play guys that haven't had a chance to play this much this year. And uh, Griffin has stepped up in all three games. He's been excellent for us. Um, he's provided um, the height and, and the width that we've been, I wouldn't say lacking. We've had, a you know, at Franco Escobar, we know his profile. It's not really a guy that's going to get to the end line, but he's pretty secure with the ball and he'll get to maybe the attacking third, but not to the end line. And one thing Griffin can do is he can, he can run up and down on the field all day long. And uh, it's been great, you know, kind of in scoring a fantastic goal with his left foot against Santos. Uh, really helps, but that's been a nice uh, piece to our attack. And I think last night he got in really good areas. Um, but again, it's something that we're, we're, we need to get just tidy up and make sure that we, we're making the right runs at the right time. And he's able to, the passes becomes then, or the cross becomes obvious and simple for him. So uh, something we have to work on as a, as a, as an organization. Yeah. That box organization timing of runs, you know, yeah. I remember the one play right in front of our booth. He had an opportunity to take a long touch and get to the end line, then whipped the cross, and he took a second one. And by then, the guys had already run all the way into the six-yard box. And it was yeah. Is it just those little simple things that need to be cleaned up? Well, statistically, it's funny. We're one of the top teams in getting advancing the ball to the attacking third in the league, uh, which is great. And then you, But, of course, we are. We have, you know, Artur has been fantastic. We have, but I, uh, I would say this, Pat. Yeah. You don't even need statistics. If you're watching the game, you can see. You can see it. Exactly. Exactly. It. So, yeah. It's yeah. No I mean, I like to think I've. I, it's just nice when, I, when my mind matches the numbers. I'm like, oh, okay, good. I'm not going crazy. Um, yeah. But what I, what I like is, uh, you know, like we're able to get there. And, and generally speaking is at that stage, then it's about patterns of play. You know, there's some teams in the league that have to do a really good job once you get in those spots. The LAFC is a good example of a team that has really good ideas once they get the attacking third. They don't get the ball to the attacking third as, as smoothly or as, as well as we do. Um, so that's something that we have to uh, improve and something that we've been working on, to be, to be fair to our, our coaching staff. I think we've, we've really focused, and we talked about this before, about three months ago we said we're really struggling getting the ball into an attacking area, and we worked on that, and I think we've done a pretty good job there. Last night we were, we were a little discombobulated, I think, in our buildup. I think that one we'll have to kind of revisit a little bit, but – um, now, now the thing is the final product. What can we do once we get, when, you know, Griffin Dorsey gets in those spots, you know, Franco Escobar, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, Nelson Keone. So he, he's obviously got tremendous pace, but we need to kind of get that final piece there and kind of get that finished. And I don't think part of it's quality, unique quality in those positions. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but when there's a pattern and people know, oh, okay, I've got these, these are my two choices when I get to this position, it's pretty simple. Most of these guys are skilled enough to make, uh, the better of two choices. He's Dynamo General Manager Pat Onstead. Again, the Houston Dynamo will be in action on Monday. They'll get the winner of Charlotte and Cruz Azul. So there may be another Mexican team coming here. Yeah. We'll find out That'd be great. currently right now that uh, game is either started or about to get started. And uh, that's just another great Monday night coming up for all of you. So HoustonDynamo.com uh, for your tickets. All right, let's, let's talk a little bit about Aliou Ibrahim. Um, you know, look, um, you guys do have a lot of good data. 38 final third entries in the game against Pachuca last night. The second half got kind of messy with the subs yeah. and the fatigue and everything. But if we look back, 
in recent times. You're still looking for a first win since the 21st. It's only yep. five goals in eight games. Mm -hmm. and, and, I, and I guess your focus is we drill down on the final third and what we Yeah, well, we have to. I mean, this is our group. Well, this is the group. There's no solutions coming and walking in the door. This is our group. Um, so for us, we need to try to solve that from within. You know, I think Ibra's uh, 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 struggled, you know, and, and, now, and when I say that, he's uh, been very unlucky. I think, you know, the header he has against Santos, um, the defender doesn't really clear it off the line. He just hits his head as he's walking through, you know, from five yards out. Um, he's, he's, he's been kind of snake bitten, but, but he is getting into good areas. Uh, and historically he's a guy that usually, you know, matches his statistical data. So like when he, his XG six, he usually scores six to seven goals. He's right in that ballpark. So, uh, we feel he'll come back to the, the mean at some point. Uh, and he's, he helps us, uh, same reason when Corey did the beginning is that he can stretch and run behind, uh, and that creates more space for Amin Bossy, for Hector when he steps into that those holes, you know, whether it's uh, Kowalchuk or Coco uh, in those positions. And I think that that's been the one reason why we're able to get in pretty good areas in the attacking third, um, because we have a, a player of his pace and his ability um, to continue to do that every every run. Just he can he can run all day as well, um, and that's been a big help for us. I mean, he had wonderful flashes last night. Uh, came back into midfield one time, got turned yeah. at people. He was a part of that good transitional moment. Um, th there's a lot of good things you see, but data-wise, he's not getting a lot of shots from the center. No, he's not. You're right. He's averaging, I think, right around a, a shot a game, and most strikers are, you know, two, two, two to two and a half a game. So he's still got some work to do uh, in that. And part of that is service, right? That's uh, We go back to the Sebastian Ferrer, who's a good box striker. Um, but if he's only getting one shot a game, that's not going to help him either. So uh, that that's kind of what comes up for going full circle in this conversation. But exactly, and when we're getting into attacking third, how are we not? We're getting, as you said, thirty-eight penalty box entries. Why aren't we getting more shots out of that? That that's a lot of penalty box, a lot of time spent on the other team's penalty box to only get, you know, for our our main striker, Granny played a half, but for him to only get uh, one shot off. So. Uh, but those are things that we've got to work on and get better. And the one thing I will say here is like uh, very confident in our coaching staff. I think Ben's done a great job this year. Um, you know, as you said, just watching our team compared to the year before, you see there's some structure. You see there's some ideas. Um, you, you see we're, we're working at things. So we're getting better as we're progressing through the season as a club, as, is, as are most of the other MLS teams. Don't get me wrong. Um, but it's been nice to see. It's been very refreshing. And there's there's uh, – you know, I'll give Ben credit. He's managing a, a, a new coaching staff that he hasn't worked with too, uh, and they're they're still still working very hard and trying to get together. But the, but it's turning into a pretty well oiled machine. Well, and even from the perspective of a commentator, I mean, it's just so much more interesting to come and watch this team, and it's it's so much more fun, honestly. Yeah. Um, from yeah. that perspective, but. But can you make the playoffs without a primary goal score? I mean, that's really well. We hope we hope Ibra will be the primary goal score. Yeah, I mean, that's what we're hoping for. You know, that there's no two ways about it. You know, we'd like Thor to, you know, Thor's a young a young player who it can be streaky at times. You know, he scored two fantastic goals, you know, a month and a half ago uh, on a sub appearance, and you hope he kind of rides that, and then he kind of went into back back into a dip and stuff. So. He's he's like a typical young college player. It's going to take some time for him to be consistent, um, but we believe in him. He's a, he's a he's a good good soccer player, and he's he's 
actually really good in the box. If he, if he gets time, the one issue, if we said about a criticism is to get a shot off, sometimes he takes a little bit, but when he has time in the box, he's, he's our best striker on our team. He's, he's a very good finisher. Hence the reason he actually does this interesting penalty where he just pauses and waits, but then he smashes it with the, like one step. It's amazing. Well, I'll so, tell you one thing. You guys know how to take penalties. Holy moly. I mean, these yeah. are fantastic penalties yeah. in these last two games. That's yeah, one miss and what three rounds of penalties. That's that's pretty good. Pretty so, remarkable. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh let me just get you into Sebastian Kowalczyk and and you know, kind of yeah. what he is. I, I did speak to Ben Olson about him. Ben told me, you know, he's a guy capable, he loves his versatility. Maybe you can add to it. Yeah, he, he is versatile. So he, he can play in eight, ten wide attacking midfielder, kind of more of a pocket player than not a stretcher. Although um, he has done that before where he's played wide on the touchline on the right and been a guy that's been asked to run behind. Um, that's not his strength, but he can do it. He's a pretty intelligent uh, soccer player. Um, for us, it's the final pass that we like. He's he's the guy that can play that one between the, the center back and the full back and get the release wingers in behind. Um, so that that's his strength. Um, you know, he's, he's pretty dynamic for who he is. And he's, this is, it's going to be interesting to see because it's the first time he's been away from that's that club. He's been at that club for 12 years. So sometimes it takes some time to adapt for these guys. You know, it's a, it's a better league than, than the Polish league. So it's, it's, um, you know, it's a little more competitive. Obviously the climate's a little different than what he's used to, but, uh, you know, we, we think he's the type of guy that, uh, is a, is a good option when you look down the bench, especially later in games when when teams are getting fatigued and not able to shift across as quickly. That he can punish teams by playing passes behind and, and getting the final product. Um, the other piece that he's really good at, where Amin and we're still working with, is Amin has that same kind of quality of playing the ball behind, but he means not a guy that sprints and gets into the box after the pass. Uh, Sebastian has that in his locker. He's he's a guy that likes to follow up and he'll kind of get the droppings, so to speak, around the penalty spot. And you'll you'll see him attack the box once he plays the ball through, which is nice. I will say Amin took off on a 60-yard run last he, day. He definitely did. That he was great. That transitional moment, he got, he yeah. got denied by Moreno. But yeah. that was one of the most exciting moments of the game. And I was like, wow, mm. this, he, all of a sudden he looked jet-fueled. It was incredible. He can do it. He can do it. I think at times he really likes the ball to feet. Um and and he's still he's still figuring out our league, but he's got the ability to run run behind and and, and get in transition as well, get out in transition. So, um, you know, it's we're encouraging him to do that. You know, our staff is working with him to do that. But uh, it's tough when you have that ingrained in your DNA. Sometimes that you're always looking for the guy to be the ball to feet. And sometimes you have to you know start start recognizing what's going on. I, I don't know. We could talk about the messy goal last night, but that was amazing. The first goal when he just. He literally slows down to almost a walk as the game, the play's developing, then jogs into space, and you think, oh, he's going to drop into the pocket. And then he just explodes with three steps, and he's wide open. And then just, you know, great great ball to him. But, of course, he's not going to miss from 10 yards out. But those are the moments. I mean, those are the things that you you hope a bossy, a Kowalczyk are watching, and they go, oh, okay, I, I get it. I, I can do both. So we'll see. You know, you're talking about guys adjusting to the league and a system and a coaching staff. Yeah. Yep point do you say you got to kind of be there at yeah what point, no, no, i mean yeah i mean we're, we're there i think with a mean like we need a mean to, to to produce um and, and he has done well what, what is he seven and five or something like that eight and, eight and five or something i mean a lot of our penalties i get that um but he's also been been the victim i think of one or two himself um but he he has he has those moments you know we, we want probably a little more consistency from him. um but at the same token uh it's not 
to your point, even it's not a lack of effort. This, this he's done pretty well. It's it's not always it's not always easy, and I, I think he's he's probably uh, right where we thought he would be at this stage of his uh, MLS career. And then from a team perspective, you know, where where do you guys look out and say, okay, at this point, we really want the ideas a little bit more fully grasped in what we're integrating. I think by the time we get rolling again here with the last eleven games, I mean that's that's our that's our hope. We're taking this time. We weren't sure if we were going to be able to get through, um, but we keep keep getting these more league's cup games. But at the same token, we're we're not focusing. I think in the league at times, um, what ends up happening is you go week to week and you you review the game and then you prepare for the next game and then you play and then and you sometimes you get lost on uh, the other team and not focusing on yourselves. But what we've consciously made the decision is that we'll spend a day worrying about the other team in these but otherwise we're just going to focus on ourselves during league's cup and try to work on that so that we're, we're ready to hit the ground running i mean we want to win every league's cup game every game we play but in the end for us it's more about making sure that we're rolling once we hit uh, portland on the 20th of august and you guys have talked a lot about culture i mean these penalty kick wins even i mean these are just like you're, you're winning not, is winning. Like I, I know we haven't won a game in ninety minutes. Yeah, hundred percent. Culture building, right? It's a, it's, it's a habit. And the guys last night, they were, they were excited. Locker room was, was music was blaring. Guys were pumped. Uh, Ted Siegel was in town, and you know the guys were calling him out, making Ted have a speech after the game. So it was, the guys were, guys were happy. It's, it's nice to be around that when you feel like, you, you know, you're successful. And, and to your point, you're right. We haven't, we haven't won a ninety minute game for a while, but we've. You know, we're, this is the tournament we're in, and it's winning in advance, and this is how you can advance. And we've been able to do that. Done the same in Open Cup, and we're one of, what, three teams? I think they're in a playoff spot, uh, still alive in the League's Cup and in the semifinal of Open Cup. Or there's not not many teams that could win the treble right now. We're one of them. Um, Open Cup is August yeah. 23rd against Real Salt Lake at home. Yeah. Can I take you back to Sebastian Kowalczyk and just – you know, when did he kind of appear for you guys? What was the first thing that jumped out? Yeah, him that probably you- back in December, our scouting department had flagged him. Um, and we were looking at a guy that could kind of come in the pocket. Um, and we made some inquiries about him. Um, the club at the time, the the price was probably a little higher than we valued him. Um, and this, this summer, uh, the club came back through the agent and said, listen, they would drastically reduce the transfer price. So for us, that made made a lot more sense to take another look at him. We also knew we needed to have somebody just in case uh, we get an offer for Coco. We weren't getting offers before the window closed. Um, and then at that point, we, we as I think I mentioned before in this, we didn't have a lot of flexibility with our roster and our salary cap space. Um, so we're pretty fortunate. You know, we we had to be creative with, with Sebastian, but uh, he was willing to take the kind of a little bit of a chance on us and um, – it was worked out worked out really well. It was the easy agent to deal with. Club was easy to deal with, and the player was was excited to come and join our project. So patience really paid off. Yeah, a, a lot of these deal deals. Day. It's a, yeah, a lot of these deals around the league, and and it's not just us. I like to say we're we're the we're the master. But there's inquiries, and a lot of players at times they don't know a lot about MLS, and so uh, you know at times you'll throw out inquiries and. Uh, you know, a player's like, ah, MLS, I'm not really that interested. Six months later, all of a sudden you see this player popping up in another club and you're like, okay, he's had six months to think about it. Or, you know, they'll come back to you and say, you know what, on second thought, I kind of started watching. Your league's pretty good. <laughs> you know, I, I, I kind of like the idea of MLS now. So you have to you have to sell. Hector was one 
who had spoken to uh, Austin probably about a year before he signed with us and wrapped his head around. Granted, he's in CONCACAF, so he has a bit of better idea of MLS. He has some teammates that are playing in the league. But for him, he had wrapped his head around. And by the time uh, you know, we started discussing it, he, he was all in on MLS. All right, let's talk about uh, Hector Herrera. We're talking to Dynamo general manager, Pat Onset. Great stuff is always here. And, and I'll tell you what, if you're a Dynamo fan, you're getting it all here in about two segments, 30 minutes. Um, you're getting it straight from the general manager. Nothing better than that. So let's talk about Hector. I, I've noticed a couple trends, and you can disagree with me 100% because obviously I'm never correct always. <laughs> he is, I know that for sure. Um, that's one thing I have learned. Um, but you know, it does seem like you guys put together really good first halves. A lot of times you're not punishing teams and getting the yep. goal you need to get that game-changing, tactical-changing goal. And then it seems in the second half, fatigue maybe sets in. And I, I understand you got a heavy schedule. But Hector, in these last two games, has looked pretty fatigued visibly in the second half. Do you guys have any plan to manage him? Because I know this guy doesn't want to come off the field. Yeah. Um, is there a plan to manage them, plan to manage all our players? Um, we're very, very careful. But to your point, uh, it's Hector Herrera. He's the captain of the team. Um, he's a very proud man. For, forget the soccer stance, uh, side of it as well. So it's, um, you know, it's difficult. It's something that uh, as you're as a head coach, it's probably one of the more difficult things to manage when you have your DP, who's the leader of the group. Um, and telling you, and you're like, you can see that he's fatiguing, but he's, he's, he's adamant. I'm, by the way, I'm playing my childhood team, Pachuca. So it's pretty tough to pull him off, but, um, it's, we managed some minutes here in terms of a training. Um, so for a lot of these guys, a lot of these guys are getting a lot of minutes now, and it's been a kind of a small core group that have got the majority of the minutes. Um, we're pretty careful here that, so a lot of them, as I call them professional days, they get PD days here and, uh, you know, they'll get on the massage table, but it is concerning at this at this stage um, um, that he is fatiguing. And it's I don't think he's the only one. I think Artur hit a wall last night. Um, he's he's put in a lot of miles, so we you know we're going to have to figure that out. And for us, it's not a huge turnaround in terms of is a bit of a break for Monday um, against either Cruz Azul or Charlotte, but it's enough that the, the, there may have to be some changes for us. And you mentioned concerning because look, I mean. Like any DP, they they make your team look a lot different, and yeah. you, you don't want to blow Hector out here with these eleven games coming because he is such an integral part of this team. Yeah, we're gonna have. I mean, the the tricky part is well, it depends how far we go in League's Cup, but the tricky part is going to be these three and seven days to right out of the gate. You know, we're going to go Portland semi semifinal against Salt Lake, then then up to Salt Lake to play at altitude. Um, so that's going to be difficult to manage, and I I can't imagine they're being any scenario um, where our top players are going to play all three games in 90 minutes. They're just not going to be able to handle that. If, uh, to your point, the last thing you want is a Hector Herrera to get an injury and then he's out for a long period of time. And with so many games coming at you that quickly, it's going to affect the group. So we'll have to keep, keep looking at it and keep, keep uh, you know, again, keep talking about data. <laughs> this has been a bit of a data analytics push today. Um, but we're, you know, Paul Caffrey, our, our head of performance is, um, or is he's he's done a great job of uh, of that, and he manages it very well. Well, is that a situation where you actually bring data to Hector and say, "Hey, look, this is why we really need you to take a little bit of a rest." Yeah, well, Hector's Hector's a little <laughs> old school. He just kind of goes, "Yeah, data schmeda." So he he's he's, he's uh, 
he he's pretty honest about his body. He struggles with the games to be able to pull himself out of games. That that's for sure. Like that's going to have to be a coaching decision or a performance department decision. Um, and like I said, Paul Caffrey's one of the best. So uh, I I trust him for that, and so does Ben. Uh, but at the end of the day, with with Hector, the the way to manage him is to keep him off his feet here at, at HSP. Um, so when we're doing a session outside, sometimes he'll do enough to get a sweat on and make sure he's. He's staying okay, um, but then a lot of times uh, for the rest of the session, he'll just be on the sideline and kind of watching, observing, just making sure he knows what what uh, the tweak is this week or, or what, what we're adjusting. Yeah, and the other thing is, I mean, he still can pull a playoff, right? I mean, late in the game. Yeah, I yeah. I mean, at, yeah, I don't want him to go off because one magical ball and you win the game, you know? Yeah, but to your point about fatigue, like I think last night we had um, a fair amount of corner kicks. We had some set pieces late, and Hector's tired, and the service was not up to his normal standard. So uh, I think, uh, you know, I chalked that down to fatigue. And I also think he was – the fatigue sometimes kicks in. He was really excited about this game. So, you know, came to our equipment manager and said, I need 10 jerseys. I've got all these players and the staff on the other team. I want to give them a jersey. And um, we actually had the, the Pachuca, the fantastic group of people that are running that club. They came and visited in the morning with us. Um, um, it was really good and we exchanged jerseys. And we gave them a couple of uh, Hector Herrera jerseys as well. So um, good. they're good people. Pachuca's got a, a great group of people. They've done a fantastic job. Um, the only thing we haven't talked about, those we've actually, I know they're penalty kicks, but Tide Santos, a very good team in Mexico, and just uh, just got through against the defending champions, you know, in Mexico, like the, the top team in Mexico. That's the number one seed out of Mexico in this, this tournament. And um, so I give our I give our team credit. I, I think that also takes a lot of work, and I think that's why we were probably pretty fatigued against a pretty good team. Dynamo General Manager Pat Onstad joining us. You know, when when you look at Pachuca, they do have a very clear philosophy, and even their fans understand it very clearly that. You know, they won that title, the Apertura, two seasons ago. They yep. completely got the team. And yep. they've already got Blossoms and, and other players coming through their academy. And a number of them played last night. So yep. they are, in some ways, a team in transition. Is that kind of where, you know, what is the Dynamo philosophy? Yeah, that's How probably pretty fair. That's probably a good way to look at it. Unfortunately, we didn't sell 30 million of players, um, which I think Pachuca did. I think their total was close to $30 million in terms of uh, transferring players out. But um, yeah, we're, you know, we're, we are a, a team. I, th I feel like we're resurgent. Like I feel like we are turning a corner. Um, you can see it. You can watch us and you can see that this team has uh, turned a corner. They believe in one another. They fight for one another. There's a clear system of how we're going to play. Um, I still think, as I mentioned, we're still going to work on the definition once we get in the attacking third. Um, but there's there's principles of play out there, and, and I, I like the way uh, we're progressing. We still have work to do. Um, there's We're in ninth place. It's, no one's going to say that we're um, an MLS Cup uh, contender at this point. But I do think if we can get in the playoffs, uh, what we've shown so far this year is we're pretty resilient and that we're, uh, we're difficult out in a knockout tournament. So uh, for us, the big thing that's been the big focus is to advance as far as we can in all these tournaments and, and make sure we're in the playoffs and see what happens. Yeah, I think it's pretty visible. You have 17 different players since last January. You really, yeah, it was, it's been a busy, it's been a busy, <laughs> it's too much. We can't do that. You can't sustain that in our league and do that uh, year in, year out. Like that just doesn't happen in our league. Um, you know, for example, we, we actually had more changes than St. Louis did in their expansion team. Like it's just uh, for players in and out, the transfers we, we made out, which weren't, weren't a ton, but trades. 
um, you just can't you can't sustain that. And what I would like to say is I think we're we're getting the core group of players that we really like and we think we're going. We'll still make some tweaks and try to bring in some uh, for us as we've been talking most of this uh, interview is is some uh, attacking final attacking pieces that we think can score help score goals and some quality up there. But um, the rest of the team is, is is pretty solid. We're pretty happy with our group. One, one about uh, Nelson Quinones and, and, you know, look, I'm, I just, so we're watching this game. He comes in on the left and, and he's obviously fresh and he's penetrating. It's a great substitution and he's cutting in on his right. And every time he shoots two or three times, his shots are blocked because he's wow. bringing the defender back in. Is there any, ever any thought or discussion from you guys to play him on the right side where he picks the ball up with his right foot? One big touch is gone and nobody's going to catch him. Yeah, there, there's there's been some discussion. I think um, you know clearly if we're playing on the left, we we believe he's got a better opportunity to be successful on the left than we do on the right. Um, and we've tried him in the past. We tried him in preseason on the right, and he's, he tends to do better on the left. But um, it's a fair it's a fair observation. And uh, uh, I, I was actually just talking to our, to Ted Siegel, our owner. I said that's Asher Mandelson, Nick Cobb, and I sit up in the crow's nest, kind of up high and. I said, we're always perfect up there. We never make a mistake up there. So I'm sure we've shouted that out before. Like, why is he playing on the right? Put him on the right. Come on, Ben. You know, we're 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 fans too. And um, so it we'll we'll see what happens and we'll see where his career progresses. Uh he's still very raw. He still makes some decisions that are head scratchers. Uh, to your point, he comes inside and he's got three guys lined up that are clearly gonna block the ball and he still winds up and shoots. And then he does other things where it looks like he's you're like, why are you slowing down? And then he blows past guys and clips a great ball into the box of the back post. And, you know, and Ivan Franco misses a, a good opportunity in another game. Like he can do these. He has these, this ability to get past defenders. And that that's very difficult to coach. Now, again, it's about him decision making when he gets in those really good spots. Um, but he's a young player. And while he's 20 years old, isn't super young uh, for a player. He's. He's he's um, what's the best way to put it? his upbringing and where he's come from in terms of the club and the the his technical soccer background training. He's still got a long ways to go. He's he's like a teenager, so you're you're dealing with a lot of kind of factors that we're trying to get him consistent uh, to a consistent level, and that's going to be the big challenge for our coaching staff. Exciting potential, no question about it. Yeah. Um, to the point of uh, the inverted wingers. I mean, I, I don't think people understand sometimes that's also a big benefit playing narrow when you lose the ball from a defensive perspective. So maybe yeah. that's not what Ben wants to give up. No, and, you know, listen, I think I think uh, you keep games close and you stay and get a lot of games and you can you have a chance to win in our league. It's just, there's a lot of parity in our league. So, um, you know, the, the Minnesota game at home where we just shot ourselves in the foot with Two chances, two goals, a you know, a bad decision by Mikel stepping into midfield and we get punished for the second goal, and that's it, game over. Um, that that's our league. Uh, and I think we want to try to we've done a pretty good job this year avoiding those silly, silly goals and all of a sudden now fighting from behind. I think last year that happened to us way too often, where we would actually have control of games and the one attack, one goal, and now you're chasing it. Um, so I think for us the stability is big, but the main reason for the inverted uh, wingers is to try to get, uh, you know, our fullbacks out. We have one one side we'll use. That's one reason why he's on the left is we've been normally Daniel Stairs has been our left back this year. And he's a stay at home. He's a center back converted to left back. Um, so the idea at that stage is we get our height and width from Nelson a little bit more on that side. 
And then on the right, you have, you know, Coco or a mean bossy tucking inside. That's where you're hoping a Griffin Dorsey or Franco Escobar can, can get down the line. Now it's a little different. We've inverted now Franco Escobar to the left. So now it becomes a little more interesting. He's not really a guy that'll stay wide, but he can come inside. Um, you know, we had Brad Smith. Uh, we signed him. We were hoping he'd come back a little bit faster than he has from his knee surgery, that he could be the guy that could be the vertical player on the left. And therefore, if you have an inverted winger, um, there's the space for the fullback to overlap. So we that the plans are in place. They don't always work to perfection, that's for sure. Um, but we have some options. And uh, Brad's getting very close to getting on the field in the sense that he looks like he's ready to contribute to the group. It's just taken a little bit longer with an ACL, which sometimes happens. Uh, then I think you know he's probably the first guy to say he'd hope to have been faster. But uh, once we have that, though, then we'll have some real decisions to make. Which side are we going to get the fullback going forward on? Is it Griffin on the right? Is it... Is it Brad on the left? You know, are we going to ask Franco Escobar to tuck inside? There's, there's lots of options we have. Yeah, and that's, uh, I mean, that subtle little thing could be the difference between scoring goals or not, right? Yeah, no, I mean, I think Griffin and and in the League's Cup, uh, you know, we've always scored three goals in three games, so it's not fantastic output. But um, Griffin's probably been involved in two of those three, and probably in a lot of the the opportunities we had last night. Certainly, got into I think four four great crossing areas. So. Um, it's it's uh, something that you hope if you have an inverted winger, you can't expect him to be creating everything you need to get some width at some point. Pat Onstad joining us. Pat, final one tonight, with uh, which is one of interest to me. I'm really interested to hear what you have to say about this. So obviously you were in Columbus with Lucas Zellerayan. We just saw that he went to Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Do you think there should be concern for Major League Soccer with that Saudi money going after guys like Zellerayan that, that these are once-in-a-lifetime moments to cash in and make a lot of money. And, you know, you pick five five to six of those guys off in MLS, and, and it could hurt Yeah, No, yeah, well, they're, they're hurting the Premier League too. So, I mean, the, the money is um, it's going to be difficult for us to compete with Saudi Arabian money. I think if they come in and, and they decide that they're going to go after a player, it's going to be difficult. And the, and it's going to be – the management part is um, how much are we willing – how far are we willing to go to keep a player here? I think um, – Lucas Elleran is an amazing player in our league. You know, I got to see him up close. Um, 2020 MLS Cup final, one of the best performances I've seen in our league by an individual uh, to win a championship. He's he's a, he's a great guy, but at the same token, as, as you said, he makes very good money here, but I'm sure he's making <laughs> a lot better money in Saudi Arabia. Um, it's difficult. What uh, I, I say concerned, um, you know, I think it's the same as when China came in 10 years ago. Um, there's there's always going to be players, I think, at some point that are going to be a threat to every league. Uh, and we'll see how this plays out. I think we have a lot to offer in our league. I think our league is um, a very entertaining league. It's very open for attacking players. There's a lot a lot more space than a, a Premier League or a Bundesliga. But it's uh, it's an exciting league here. I, and and it's fun to play in. And we've got a lot of fans that, that are believing in this league and um, I, I I think this is uh, going to be a league of destination for a lot of, well, it already is for a lot of players. And it doesn't hurt that you have the world's greatest player that chose I'm going to come and play in MLS. And and he's, and he's in an interesting market. You know, the Mass Brothers have done a fantastic job with uh, going after him to get this over the line. But he's also, um, I, what I what I give them credit for is they convinced the, the best player in the world to come come there and and join them and well, you know, as they build a new stadium and it, it's an exciting project and it's exciting for our league. Long pursuit. They were pursuing him since 2008. Yeah. 
You know, Pat, the thing that I love about this that I don't hear too many people talking about with Lionel Messi, I just love the fact that we're propping up a real family man, a guy of humility, a guy yep. that's not taking pictures of his abs every day. I, I just think there's something, <laughs> there's, there's just something additional that is really good about his representing the league on a big stage. Yeah, and I think part of that is the reason he chose our league. Because our league, um, yes, we have promote stars and we have them, but it's also it's it's this is the United States of America and, and in Canada too as well, and and stars for the most part are, are kind of left alone compared to Europe. If you're if you're in Europe and you're Messi and you're walking around Barcelona, he can't he can't leave his house. Um, but you know he'll he'll get mobbed here a little bit, but but at the same token, he can have a normal family life. He can raise his kids. Uh, you know, he can go to probably his kids play soccer game. He can probably go watch his kid play soccer. He can't do that in Barcelona. Um, so there are opportunities for some of these players. Um, incredible. And I don't know if we have a minute or two, but I, the story I always remember is uh, Gonzalo Iguain used to come visit uh, in Columbus and and sit with Pipa and he'd come watch practice. And we'd, we'd talk to him and say, well, you know, why you come on? It's my brother. And I go, do you like it? He goes, I love it here. And I go, what's that? He goes, I will go I, every afternoon. I go for a coffee or a beer, or go for a nice meal, outside. not a single person recognizes me or talks to me. And he goes, I can't even think about that in Italy. I can't even think about going out to grab a coffee. And and there's a lot of truth to that. A lot. So for a lot of players who've been in the spotlight, it's really nice for them to be able to take take a breath and go out and have a normal family life. And they're still competitive guys. Don't get me wrong. Don't, don't think that Busquets is coming here to sit, you know, just try, try to meander through it. They all want to win, and they know how to win. So um, they, I think this is these are fantastic uh, coups for our league. The celebrity connection is interesting. So yeah. not to be a name dropper here, but my niece is married to Derek Jeter, and I noticed he was at the game. And I can assure you, Derek isn't the biggest soccer fan. He's a sports fan. Yeah. But I think he said in the interview it was his first ever game. So Messi's drawn everybody and anybody to this. Yeah. Games. Yeah. No, it was it was amazing. The first game I. One of my favorite photos was him and him and LeBron hugging. And I'm just like, I go, that's, that's just incredible. Like, you know, one of the greatest basketball players of one of the greatest, I'm not going to put Michael Jordan down, but um, you know, one of the greatest bas basketball players of all time. And then there he is with the, to my opinion, the greatest soccer player of all time. It's pretty incredible. I guess we really don't know the full impact of Messi. I mean, we were already seeing crazy things, jerseys, social media, but I mean, I'm, I'm sure we're going to learn more, right? Yeah, I, I think we will. I think we'll, you know, we'll we'll see how it goes. I think the interesting part is you've got to head up to Dallas now for the next uh, Leagues Cup game. Let's let's see uh, how how he likes traveling and stuff. I'm sure he's done it before, but at the same token, it's uh, MLS is a tough league. It's a grind over time. There's a lot of travel. It's 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 hard for everybody. So, um, but he's you know he's the best. He's the best player in the world. And I, I guess part of me is making the league look. I wouldn't say the league looks silly, but I, I'm sure there's. Numerous stretches. You could look at Barcelona and PSG where he scored five goals in three games. I don't think this is any shock that we've ever seen this before. I'm sure Ray Hudson can, can pick up a few games and let us know about those as well. Pat, this has been a fantastic interview. It's always fun catching up with you. I, yes. I love the fact that we put this out and people can really hear it directly from you and, and get the deep down. Uh, it's great stuff. This is the kind of stuff that I think grows the game. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, Glenn, I appreciate I always appreciate these conversations. They're fun. I enjoy it. Yeah, I enjoy it too. That's why they go so long. <laughs> All right. He's Dynamo Thanks, General Manager Pat Onstead. That does it tonight on a big high note here. Again, a reminder, 
Uh, your presenting sponsor is John Daspit and the Daspit Law Firm, daspitlaw.com, 713, call now. Big thank you to producer Andrew Carlson, Guillermo Lazo Romero, who helps us with all our social media, um, and also you for listening in tonight. Get the podcast, subscribe at Spotify, Apple, Google, or at ESPN975.com. Don't forget the Dynamo in Action on Monday night in the League's Cup again at home here in Houston. Till next Thursday night, I'm Glenn Davis. Remember, soccer matters.